You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Open your Bible to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. I have been teaching a series on who is the Holy Spirit. And um, I, I, I think I'm going to teach about four months on the subject. I've done one month so far. Because there's so much to understand about the Holy Spirit. And so it's not possible to do that here now, right? Unless you're going to wait a while. <laughs> but Jesus said this. In John 16, verse 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and you will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. That means he'll tell you the future. And he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. There's two things we need to know about that verse. One is, that he will tell us what Jesus wants to tell us. Okay? He'll take of mine and tell you and me about it. The second thing, which I really like, is that he will exalt Jesus. He will glorify Jesus, meaning he'll exalt Jesus. In other words, he'll reveal to us who Jesus is. You see, without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have a clue who Jesus was. Because He's our teacher, and he's revealing who Jesus is. This glorious Lord and Savior is only understood by the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. Amen? And so, as we yield to him, you will see Jesus begin to work through you, his nature, his character, his power, his life, his righteousness, his joy, his peace. You'll see all these things, these attributes of Christ, begin to shine through your life by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? So, there's a lot we can learn about the Holy Spirit and his ministry. That's just one aspect of his ministry. All right, have you found Acts chapter 2 yet? Verse 1, New King James. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So the day of Pentecost, the Greek word Pentecost means 50th in English. So when the 50th day had come from Passover, the 50th day from Passover when Jesus crucified, then the Holy Spirit came. He waited until that day and then descended. There's a long teaching on all that, why that is necessary. You can get that story in my book on the covenant, the blood covenant. All right, now, <clears throat> verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the Holy Spirit entered all them when they were kneeling in serious prayer. Is that what it said? No, it says when they were sitting. So it's okay, it's okay to sit and pray. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all, 
and began to speak with other tongues, heavenly languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now, there were 120 people in that upper room that day on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came down and filled them all. These were followers of Christ. That was the birth of the church. The church started out speaking in tongues. The church began speaking in tongues. That's where it began. Now, a lot of Christians today don't, but we need to. There's so many benefits for praying in tongues. You can't even begin to imagine. How many of you speak in tongues? Can I see your hands? Well, wonderful. God bless you. I guess you can confirm what I'm saying. And they were all full of the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Holy Spirit made it possible, they began to speak in other tongues. Now, after this experience in the upper room, I've been there, taken several tours to Israel. We went into the upper room, whether that is the upper room or not, we don't know, but they claim it is. And um, where the 120 were gathered. When the Holy Spirit came on them, they all spoke in tongues, and they began to spill out eventually from the upper room, totally overcome by the presence of God. And they went down into the streets of Jerusalem. And a great crowd of people gathered to watch these people who had just come out of the upper room. And it's obvious that they came out because the Bible says that 3,000 got saved that day when Peter preached to them. And uh, obviously 3,000 could not fit into the upper room. So they had to come down for this to happen. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So the Holy Spirit opened the understanding of all the observers so they could understand what these 120 were saying in other tongues. They were praising God and praying and worshiping God, overcome by the Spirit. The Bible says they looked drunk, but they weren't. And the others who were watching, God opened their understanding so they could understand what these people were saying as they were magnifying God. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So each person could understand what everybody, the 120, all 120 were saying. Okay? Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Now, the 120 were all Galileans. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes. Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, 
visitors from Rome and Jews and proselytes. A proselyte is somebody who takes on the Jewish faith, who's not a Jew. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So all those people with different languages there we just mentioned, all understood what they were saying, the 120 were saying, as if they were talking in their own language. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they all full of new wine. In other words, they're drunk. But Peter, standing up with eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, that's nine o'clock in the morning. And not drunk like you think, it's only nine in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh. So that God will pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And that includes me. Say so all includes me. Hosea 6 verse 3. Hosea 6 verse 3. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let's pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Let's seek out to understand God. His going forth is established as the morning. God's ways are as dependable as the sunrise. His going forth are established as the morning. God's ways are as dependable as the sunrise. His way is going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. He will come to us like the rain, like the rain falls gently upon the land. Now I see that. Hosea said he will come to us like the rain. And we just read in Acts 2, he says, I'll pour out of my spirit, pour out. Like the rain is poured out. I'll pour out my spirit. So we can sense the Holy Spirit pouring out here like rain gently falling upon us. Amen? Say this. Lift your hands up. So I receive the Holy Spirit to fall on me right now in Jesus' name. Now Acts 2 verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's exactly the same thing. Therefore, in the New Testament, God comes to us like the rain. When the anointing falls in the services, like the rain. The quickest and most definite way to see God's anointing fall on the church or to see God's anointing fall on any individual is through praising and worshiping God. The quickest way to experience God's presence in your personal life or in a church service is to worship God. And that's why I encourage folks to come early to church to worship God because the anointing will come upon you and the anointing will break the yoke in your life and set you free from any challenges and bring blessing. Amen? 
It's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. It's God's anointing and blessing on us that prospers us. So come early and worship God and walk in that anointing. Some folks have got the idea that church starts with the announcements. And they think that worship is just there so it gives them time to come to church and get seated. But I don't think it's really part of the service. Say so this worship is part of the service. Amen. Very important part. There are many examples in the scriptures of the Holy Spirit filling the atmosphere. Or many examples of the Holy Spirit going into action on behalf of those who worship God. In 2 Kings chapter 3, King Jehoshaphat and the tribe of Judah go out to battle um, against the Moab king and Moabites. Remember the Moabites and the Amorites were descendants of Lot, right? And so they're going out to fight the Moabites. And they run out of water in the desert. They went all the way down south to come around the side, to come from the, the east side of, um, of the Moabites to try and surprise them instead of coming shortcut. And so they ran out of water for all their uh, animals and for their soldiers. And so they were desperate now. They were going to die in the desert. So they went to see Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet. It says he poured hands, he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah. Simply meaning he served Elijah. And what happened? He inherited the anointing, a double portion, and became the next prophet in Elijah's place. Amen? So this, if I serve somebody who's anointed, that anointing is going to come on me. Amen. Now then, so, he went to see the prophet Elisha and said, this is our problem. We're out of water. We're in the middle of the desert. Now, you might say that Elisha had semi-retired. He'd gone into retirement. He's living out in the desert. Isn't that amazing? On his own. And um, so... The prophet says, okay, fine. If you want a prophecy of what the Lord would want to do now, let me call a musician. So I called a musician. And the musician played and worshipped God. And then when the musician played and worshipped God, the anointing fell. That's how it works, see? And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he prophesied. And he said, to Jehoshaphat. He said, I want you to go to the camp outside the midnight, the, the, the Moabite country land and dig ditches, dig ditches. In the desert, dig ditches. Because water is going to come in the morning. It's going to roll through the valleys and through the hills and through the desert. Water is going to come from Edom from nowhere. Just millions of liters or gallons of water will come rolling through the desert to your camp and fill all those ditches. So according to your faith, that's how much water you'll keep. 
right? If you dig a few little ditches, you're not going to have enough. If you have a little bit of faith, you're not going to have enough water. But if you have lots of faith, you'll dig big holes. You prepare for the Lord's anointing. Prepare for the Lord's anointing. And so they went back, and sure enough, the water came. Now, it was silent. There's no clouds in the sky, no wind blowing, but millions of gallons and liters of water came rolling uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, for miles, and it filled those ditches, and the water was clean. Praise God. Amen? And so they actually, in the morning, when the sun rose, it reflected off of that water in the camp of the Moabites, and they thought that the Israelites had declared war on each other and killed each other, and that was blood that the sun was reflecting off. Imagine that. They thought it was blood. Because there had never been water there before. The Moabites knew it had to be blood because it couldn't be water. Right? And uh, so they put their weapons down and they went in to go and get the spoil. When they walked there in among the camp, the Israelites killed them. <laughs> they were helpless. <laughs> so, so can you see what happened when one man worshipped God? And the prophet knew the secret. Say this, when, I'm, when my back's up against the wall, I need to get alone with God and just worship Him for an hour. Right? Amen. It's the truth, family. What about the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho? story we learned from Children's Church, right? Marching around the, the walls of Jericho. And then God said, Rejoice because I have given you the city. I've given you the city. And they began to praise God like their hair was on fire. They went totally bananas praising God. And the walls are still standing. The walls are still standing while they're praising God. Now, they didn't praise God because the walls fell down. And they didn't praise God to knock the walls down. They praised God because God said, I've given you the city. So you can take the word of God and praise him for that, even though the walls are still standing or your problem's still there. See, you can praise God for 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes I am healed, because God said I am, even though you've got pain in your body, you can praise God. Why? Because God's word said you heal. So you say, praise God, I'm healed, and you worship God, then you say, I resist pain, because I'm the healed, healed resisting sickness. I'm the healed resisting pain. I'm the healed resisting cancer, because God called me healed. If God says, I've given you the city, that settles it. You see, the Israelites knew they'd conquered Jericho on the inside. They didn't even care to look at the walls. The walls were irrelevant. The fact that God said, I've given the city, that's all that mattered. So in their hearts, they already conquered this city. The moment God said it, it was a done deal. You see, when God speaks, that settles it. And God said in Isaiah 53, 
verse 4. By Jesus' stripes we are healed. In Matthew 8, 16, 17. Himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, and by his stripes we are healed. In 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes we are healed. So when God looks at you and the body of Christ, he doesn't see the body of Christ as some sick and some well and some healthy. He sees the body of Christ all wealthy, because that's what he bought and paid for. He sees the body of Christ all prospering, all righteous, all forgiven, all blessed. Because that's what he bought on the cross. Amen? We need to accept that. We need to accept that. So we are forgiven for our sins once for all time. So what happens if I make a mistake? Well, then you go to the bank and you make a withdrawal from the bank of forgiveness. I've come to receive some forgiveness, Lord, for what I did. It's really in your bank account, in your name. Make a withdrawal. When you apologize to the Lord, you make that withdrawal. You don't have to beg God to forgive you. You accept the forgiveness He's bought already. You don't have to beg God to heal you. You accept the, the health He's already given you because He said you healed. Amen? And you declare, I am, because God said I am. Amen? You see, if you're trying to get it, then you're out of step. If you believe in God to be healed, then you're saying God's word is not true because he said you are already healed. So you're trying to get something you already said you got. There's no faith in the word there. There's no faith in the word there. We've got to say, get this side of the fence. I am healed because God said I am. Now I resist sickness. I resist the cancer. The cancer might be eating your body, but you say, I resist it because God called me healed. Amen? See that? Romans 4.17, God calls those things that be not as though they were. As though they were. Romans 4.17. All right. So they praised God. The walls fell down. So we don't wait until the walls fall down before we praise God. We praise God while the walls are standing. Amen? Thank you for those three holy amens. All right, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 14 from the New King James translation. Here, Solomon is ded dedicating the temple he built for the Lord. And the priests went into the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant. They put it down for the first time. Then they came through the veil into the holy place. And then it says, verse 14, So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So where they were worshipping God in the holy place, the, um, the priest could not continue because they fell down under the presence of God. The anointing fell upon them and they fell in the spirit the instruments lying next to them, they couldn't worship God anymore because the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Amen? The presence of the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Lord. That simply means the Holy Spirit revealing himself in the natural realm, the physical realm. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3. 
When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, so they were standing outside, some of them, of the temple, and they saw the fire of God on the roof of the temple, the anointing. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire of God came down, the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For his good, for his mercy endures forever. Now I'll go back to Acts chapter 3, verse 19 in the New Testament. Peter preaching to the 3,000 people. They came to watch the 120. And he says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So that's another thing the Holy Spirit brings, is refreshing. Refreshing. Like tonight, there's going to be a great refreshing in the house. Amen. As the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's going to be a great refreshing of His presence in the house tonight. Amen? Are you expecting that? And then go to Isaiah 51, verse 11. I'm going to use the NIV translation here. Isaiah 51, verse 11. The ransom of the Lord will return. That's the purchase of God. Those that he paid for. That's you and me. This is talking about the Israelites coming back home. They will enter Zion. The word Zion in the Old Testament uh, refers to the anointing of God. Like Mount Zion in Jerusalem. It's actually a name referring to the presence of God. So, you can say it this way. The slaves were set free and brought back to Jerusalem. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion, the anointing, with singing, everlasting joy, will crown their heads. This also tells us then that singing and worshiping God brings the anointing. It says they will enter, they will enter Zion, they'll enter the anointing with singing. So say this, when I sing and worship God, I enter the anointing. You see, I'm, this is not talking about spectators. This is talking about participators. This is talking about those who understand the value of worship. Who offer the sacrifice of praise and worship no matter how good or bad they feel. No matter what struggles they're going through. They worship God because they know He is their answer. He is their deliverer. He's their provider, and God's got this. The battle is the Lord's. Say that, the battle is the Lord's. Amen. All right. So the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion, the anointing, with singing. If lost in joy, will crown their heads. And what's the result? When we enter the presence of God, joy comes upon us. Say so that when we enter the presence of God... We are filled with joy. It says, Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. 
gladness and joy will overtake them. So when I enter the presence of God, gladness and joy will overtake me. Overtake me. What does that mean, overtake? Take you over. Right? Well, all you experience is God's blessing and joy. Amen? Overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Is that good? Sorrow and sighing will flee away. So in the presence of the Lord, there's the fullness of joy. And all sorrow and problems melt away. Permanently. Permanently. Amen. You know, when folks go to heaven, Jesus is going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Is that right? So he's going to say, enter into the presence of God. He could have said, enter thou into the presence of the Lord in heaven. But he said, enter into the joy of your Lord. So joy and presence are interchangeable. They mean the same thing. Right? It's like wet and water. You can't have the water without the wet. You can't have the presence without the joy. Right? So, enter into the joy of your Lord when you get to heaven. Now, he didn't say enter into the sadness of your Lord. He said the joy. So, this eternity with God is going to be filled with uncontrollable joy. And that's forever. Forever. So would God not want that here for us now? Did Jesus not say, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if heaven is full of joy, doesn't God want on earth some joy too? How thinkest thou? Is that right? Okay. Psalm 126, verse 1. NRV. When the Lord broke, sorry, when the Lord brought, brought back the captives to Zion, which is we learned is the presence of God. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, the presence of God, we were like men who dreamed. Dreamed. Like men who dreamed. We were like those who were caught up in the realm of the Spirit. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Now, I don't know if you've ever put too much food in your mouth at one time. Maybe at a restaurant, which is a little embarrassing if you do that. And then somebody asks you a question. And you can't even chew it because it's too much. <laughs> now that's filled with food. You can do nothing else except try and chew. Now if your mouth is filled with laughter, then you can do nothing else except laugh. Right? If your mouth is filled with laughter, then you can do nothing else except laugh. And that's what the Bible said. It's in your Bible. Our mouths, that's not just one or two people. It says all of them. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Songs of joy. See that? Joy laughter. 
singing, joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. Can you see when the joy falls and the presence of God falls, that great things come from the Lord and everybody will see your blessing. Amen? Everybody will see your blessing from worshiping the Lord. It will not be hidden. You will not be able to hide your blessing. Not be able to hide it. The nations will say, wow, God's blessed them there at CFC in Cape Town. Amen? Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Say that in the presence of the Lord. There's fullness of joy. God is so good, is he not? Wow. In your presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Jesus. 